Welcome to episode 123 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with today's guest, Jackson Lore. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Jackson Lore. Jackson, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate you. Hey, thanks for having me. Finally, got to get on this. Uh, you're you know, one of the many awesome people I met at the Raise the Bar conference. And right. I think, you know, something from that that I've been thinking about a lot is like, I've said on the podcast before, you know, I met so many amazing people, you know, the best of the best of the industry and all these big names and all that stuff was here. But I think there were a lot of people like you and I who were there who like, yes, there were people who are, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers and all that stuff. And like, that's right. one step. But then there's another bunch of us who are people like us who are, you know, coaches who are actually still in the trenches, like coaching people in person and not that the big names are not doing that either, but coaches who are still doing that. And that's like, we're just not the names, but like real coaches who are really doing stuff. And like, you're one of those people as well. So yeah. uh, it's a pleasure to, you know, you know, have you on here and speak about all the things that we're going to, that we're going to speak about. Yeah. I'm excited to get into it. I'm excited to get into it. Do you want to go ahead and just give yourself a quick introduction, let people know, you know, who you are and what it is that you do uh, for for those who might not know? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, like Daniel said, my name is Jackson Lore. I own and run Lore Sports Performance, which is an online and in-person training business geared towards essentially soccer players, hockey players, as well as um, those with serious like hip uh, limitation, uh, hip movement limitations. So I have basically a number of young athletes and then a number of older folks who struggle with movement uh, issues. So that's kind of my where I focus. I do a little bit of work outside of that. I'm based out of uh, central Virginia. Um, so just south of DC. And I've been doing this about this. I'm coming up on my fourth year of the business. Uh, so training on my own. Uh, and I have a little bit of a background in sports medicine before that. So that's kind of where the the sports and the the movement um, limitation kind of came in is, is that's my, my medical background kind of feeding into that. So, right. yeah. And, and you played soccer in college as well, right? Uh, briefly, yes. Not at a high level, but just at a club level. Mm-hmm. And did you have a lot of injuries and was that sort of something that led you into all of this and dealing with the injury side of things? Is that your, you know, my, that's more or less my story as well. And, and yeah, not, it's not an uncommon one. Yeah, no, I think that's very common for people in the fitness industry, people in the sports medicine industry. So chiropractors, physical therapists, um, athletic trainers, uh, that's really common uh, for people to get into that. Mine was I had an ankle injury and a and just chronic back pain. Um, that uh, chronic back, the ankle injury healed itself up. Um, I think that was just like a directional thing for me. Um, but the chronic back pain was like something I spent several years focusing on. Um, after I had like kind of hung up the cleats, so to speak. Um, and that was what really led me down the path of exercise and, and using like using corrective exercise to, to heal. Right. Uh, so that was, that was something that I dealt with a lot. Um, yeah. Was the back pain something that you picked up? Was it like an injury that you picked up playing or was it just something that was kind of always, always around or just, you know, the way you grew or something like that? I think it was, so I was not very strong, um, as a young athlete. Uh, I didn't actually start lifting. I lifted one summer in high school. Um, and this is kind of funny as, you know, as a personal trainer, like not, 
I'm definitely one of the smaller guys in the room when we go to the conferences. Uh, so this is still in the back of my head. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was skin and bones for, for most of my like athletic career. Um, and so I think that I still had powerful legs and the imbalance of all that definitely caused some issues over time. It was never like one thing that, that like, Oh, this day, it really triggered. No, it was like over years and years and years of my legs getting way stronger than the rest of my body. Um, that definitely caused some of what my issues were uh, and just trying to outperform my musculature basically. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. And again, it's, it's a super common thing amongst great trainers where it's like, well, we, we weren't very few awesome trainers were like, just like the biggest, strongest, leanest kids growing up. Like that's yeah. different for, for actual pro athletes who just, they were that. And that's, you know, the difference between <laughs> athletes and coaches, I think at, at a high level. Um, and, and a lot of it is like, well, we learned to overcome our, our shortcomings, right? So yeah. if you're not the, you know, you're not the tallest player on the field, you're not the strongest player in the field, you still got to perform and you still got to get by. So you learn how to distribute your weight a little bit better. You learn how to actually train because you don't have to, or cause you have to train more than the rest of the team because they're just bigger and stronger than you. And so while they can kind of get away with a few things, uh, not training or training poorly, you know, the, the, the smaller and less strong of us can't. So you gotta, you gotta make that up somehow. And then yeah. the injury thing is a whole other avenue of that. It's like, okay, well now I got to figure out how to get back on the field and how to, and especially if it's something chronic, it's like, well, this can't just keep happening every three weeks. Like I, right. <laughs> it's, it's the worst yeah. thing ever. And that was my thing too. And so it's like, I got to figure out how does the body work? How do I make it stop breaking and how do I make it work better and like become resilient? And eventually, you know, the playing career ends, obviously an extremely small percentage of athletes become professional athletes. And so the rest right. of us have to do other jobs and whether that be coaching or, you know, accounting or, you know, whatever, whatever your real job is. Right. Um, you know, a lot of us find this avenue, uh, that way. What were some of the things then, and I don't want this to necessarily be like the, the bulk of the conversation, cause we have yeah. some stuff, you know, planned, but, um, what were some of the things that you found that like really helped with, uh, your, your back pain and kind of getting out of that and getting under control? I'm sure it's like a long story, but what were some of the things that kind of really helped you? Yeah. Um, I mean, one exercise, well, one exercise and one stretch in particular, but this is really a framework of like kind of a, a, an approach to training, um, more than anything was, so the, the dead bug exercise was something that I used a lot, um, to build my core, um, and kind of following the, I don't know if you've heard of PRI, the Postural Restoration Institute. Mm -hmm. um, they're, you know, I don't agree with everything that they do. I think they take it a little too far. Uh, I think they don't give the body, the human body credit for being as resilient as it is. Um, so again, you take any one ideology way too far and it becomes less valid. Um, I think that's with pretty much any any ideology, but <laughs> I use sort of their, their concepts of like, you know, the muscle balance of the hamstrings and the core versus the hip flexors and the low back. Um, I had really tight hip flexors, uh, and I just, and I felt like I had tight hamstrings, um, and kind of used some of the glute bridges and dead bugs to build my core, build my hamstring strings um, and glutes and learned how to engage 
muscles in my stretches rather than just like doing static stretching. Um, learned how to engage muscles and do dynamic uh, mobility work on my my legs to eventually get to the place where I didn't have the same kind of like hip flexor tightness that I had before. Um, so basically just use those concepts repetitively for, I mean, it was, it was years, um, from pretty much from my sophomore year of college to senior year, I was still kind of slowly getting over that pain. And then another, another thing I did was I stopped running so much. Um, cause I had been just a, like, I, I was a runner, I was a soccer player, um, just a lot of pounding, uh, on the joints, a lot of, um, just continuously going forward, you know, very quad dominant, very hip flexor dominant, um, and not, not balancing that with anything. And so just taking those concepts was, and applying them over a long period of time was key. Super common that the soccer player workout is just like, well, I'm just going to go for a run because that like I run in soccer and like that's going to help me. It's like, well, this is easy for you and like you're really good at it. So it's like probably (laughs) like now in hindsight, it's like all the extra running I did outside of like my regular practice. Like what a waste of time. Right. It didn't help me get better at all. Like I was already good at it. It wasn't even hard. Like it was it was nothing. Now I I wish I could run the way that I that I was running (laughs) when I was playing soccer. It would kill me to do that. Um, Yeah. You know, maybe maybe one day. But um (laughs) Yeah, that the imbalance stuff and just like the learning how to like frame your or, or use your body efficiently is a really big one. And I, and I think, again, the athlete example is super valid here because sports are not necessarily healthy. You get very specialized at doing yeah. one thing in a certain way. Like uh, a, a tennis player is probably a really good example if you only use one arm, right? Like that one yeah. arm is going to be so much uh, just different than the other arm that's not doing anything and better or worse is, is, you know, up for debate, but you get really good at doing the sport and the sport is not necessarily life. And so in soccer, you know, you you run backwards every now and then, but like, it's always forwards, 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 basketball, same thing, football, same thing. There's a lot of like forward motion and that is good for the sport. It's not necessarily good for uh, just general life. And so it can cause some issues and learning how to reprogram your body, which I don't even think is that strong of a term, but like reprogram your, your movement uh, or your motor patterns is, um, is quite a difficult thing, especially for a young athlete who's like, you know, full of testosterone and ego. And like, I know how to do everything and I'm super strong. And like, what do you mean? I can't even do this little dead bug exercise. Like this looks so easy, but, and it is, I'm sure you've seen it and experienced it yourself. You get a, you know, a 270 pound football player. It's like, okay, do a dead bug or a bird dog. And they're like, man, I, I deadlift 600 pounds for a warm up. Like, what do you mean do this thing? And like, they can't even do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, it, it's super interesting, but it's like super helpful. Cause you just got to relearn how to reprogram your body, which is, which is very, very difficult and really brings that mental aspect, um, into fitness. And, you know, we can go into like the call it the mind muscle connection, call it whatever you want, but it brings a yeah. lot more focus to the, to the table. Yeah, absolutely. I think another good point that you bring up there is the ideology of some of these things. I think a lot of it is like branding to a degree. It's like once you become known for a thing, it's very hard to sway from that thing from like a business perspective. It's very hard to be like, oh, I'm the, you know, I'm the keto guy. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, well, you know, I kind of do actually like, like carbs. And it's like, well, then what, what are you? If you're not the keto guy anymore, you can't just like everything else. And so even if you are true beliefs, maybe change from that for business sake, you kind of have to like lean into that same ideology. And I think you're also correct that 
this is taken across any field, <laughs> no, not not just fitness. I think it's very prominent in fitness and health, but it's very prominent across everything where it's like, well, if I just believe in this one thing, then I got to just go hard at this one thing and kind of ignore other other thoughts, which is which is highly problematic <laughs> in, yeah. in our society today, I think. Yeah, that is actually like one of the things that... I use so this is this is something that I try and teach my clients as well is like my gauge for whether or not someone is selling something or educating so the difference between the two is um, if they're just selling something and they're not educating they're going to be all in a lot of absolutist talk about like hey this is the thing this is it whereas like people who are educating especially a lot of the best trainers out there a lot of the best coaches out there every answer to every question is like, well, it depends, yeah. <laughs> right? It depends on, you know, your situation, your anatomy, all yada, 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 yada. Versus if someone is just selling something, it's like, this is the answer. Yeah. So that is, yeah, that's how I approach things. Yeah. I'm 100% with you. And I've also said the same thing. It's like the, the sign of a good coach is like, when you ask them a question, the answer is mostly going to be, well, it depends. Right? right. And it depends on a whole bunch of things. And I think that. um you know, it's really easy to to give a blanket answer and to say like, oh, this is always the best thing because it sounds really good. It sells really well. It sounds super confident. But the way that I, you know, try and frame it is like, is this person saying something that has never been said before? If they say, you know, let's just go with the keto example. Keto is the only way to lose weight, the only way to be healthy. And I think keto is good for some people and horrible for others. So, you know, whatever. If they say keto is the only way to be healthy. That's not new. They're not the first person to come up with that. So if they were right, why wouldn't every single person be doing this? Right. And like that question, I think, just breaks down a lot of these absolutist statements because none of these ideas are so brand new to say like, wow, this person literally invented this concept. So if if they were true, if they were correct in, in their statement, then everybody would just do that and we wouldn't have this problem. Like it, it would be a solved issue, but it's obviously not. So obviously it's incorrect, right? But that, you know, this requires not a ton of critical thinking and I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm, you know, so intelligent and so thoughtful and whatever. But if you just think about it just a little bit, like it, yeah. it, the argument really breaks down on itself pretty quickly, I think. Yep. Which brings us to, I think, something that we wanted to talk about today. So one thing that we did want to discuss today was go through a list of a lot of the excuses that people make for themselves um, and for their fitness. And listen, some excuses are certainly valid, right? Everyone's life is different. We don't all, uh, you know, most people don't have unlimited money and unlimited time to spend on being the most jacked person around, obviously. If if that was you, I mean, you're not listening to this podcast and like you don't have these issues and that's not a real person. So like real excuses do exist, but there's always, there's often a workaround and there are a lot of like bullshit excuses as well. So I think the first one, we're going to start off like nice and easy because this is the one that kind of like set this off and set up this, this, uh, this podcast was the weather. People where, where I am in, in Canada, like it gets cold in the winter and it doesn't, and honestly, it doesn't really snow that much. Like it's, it's way blown out of proportion. It's not impossible to go outside in the winter. I don't live in a part of Canada that gets to like, you know, minus 40 Celsius. Right. And so when the summer comes around, then it's like, oh, well, it's too hot and I can't go outside. I can't walk outside. And it's like, well, you got to pick one, like which, <laughs> right. what's it, what's it going to be either, either it's the weather's fault or it's your fault. And again, it just comes down to a little bit like, you know, look in the mirror and say like, well, what is actually happening here? Is it, is the weather preventing me? Is there a hurricane outside that I actually is unsafe for me to go outside? 
or do I just need to like put on a warmer jacket and, you know, suck it up for, for a few minutes? Yeah. Yeah. I think people, if, especially in that situation where it's people who are making excuses on both sides of things, right? Whether it's, okay, it's too hot, it's too cold. On the, on the front end, it's like, okay, this person is A, either just completely not willing to be uncomfortable um, for their health, right? That is, that is one, one thing. Or B, it's someone who is simply, they have not had that realization of how important their health is yet, mm. right? Um, you know, and, and maybe I'm leaving out a, a third group of people who are simply just in denial of this is the thing that I need to do and I know it and most people do. Most people recognize like, okay, if I want to, there's enough information out there. It's not like there's misinformation saying, hey, if you exercise, you're going to be less healthy. Like people know that. <laughs> yeah. People know that that you're going to be more healthy if you exercise. So I think, uh, yeah, there is sort of that third category of people who are just in denial. But it's like, yeah, you at some point you have to pick, have to pick what discomfort you're going to choose. Are you going to choose like a little bit of discomfort now? Uh, in the present and, you know, go outside when it's a little hotter or a little colder, get the steps in that you need to, to be healthy. Or are you going to choose the discomfort of, okay, when I'm 60 and 70 and 80 plus now I can't move like I want to, I can't, you know, I'm not healthy. I can't keep up with my grandkids, whatever that may be. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, very well said with that, that you have to choose the discomfort that you want because it's going to happen. Like it's going to come either way. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes with like the sensationalism of words, we talk about like choose your suffering. And I don't think yeah. it has to be positioned as suffering. Like it's not, you might, someone might consider that going to the gym is more suffering than sitting on the couch doing nothing. And like, I guess, because it's like a little bit more difficult, but then yeah. like you said, it's a, it's a lot more difficult to not be able to move when you're older and, and you know, have to take tons of pills and have to not be able to play with your, your grandkids and all this stuff. And yeah. so that's really hard as well. And it takes just a little bit of work up front um, to, to solve that. And I think with the weather thing, I think it's a thing that's like, it's out of your control. Yeah. So if you can't control it, like there's nothing you can do about it. So if you're going to blame the weather for your inability to do something, well then like you're screwed because like you can't, what are you going to do? You can never control that. And I also think that the, the, the solve, the solution, solving the solution to, to, to the weather excuse is like, if, if you really feel that it's too cold, you can drive to the mall and walk laps around the mall to get your steps in. Yeah. If, if that's even, you know, Oh, I don't want I don't like to drive in the snow. I don't, you know, I don't have time, whatever. Uh, walk laps around your house. Like I routinely will like go in the backyard and if I'm just uh, like on a, on a phone call or like just texting on my phone or on Instagram or whatever, and I'll just like walk laps around the backyard if I don't want to go for a walk at that time. And like those steps still count, that activity still counts, that sunshine all still counts. So there's really no like real excuse as to as to how the weather should really impact your fitness. We don't live in a society where like we live outside where it's like, oh, and sometimes like, you might die by going outside. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I guess if, you're, if there's like some crazy natural disaster, but that's not what we're talking about. It's few, few and far between. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think and that weather one is a really, is a really lame one, honestly, but, yeah. but, it, but it's very prevalent. <laughs> yeah. 
So I that's not one I've run into. I imagine probably uh, being in Canada where the weather's a little bit more extreme, like yeah, that is probably something you run into more than I do. Um, yeah. You know, where I'm in a pretty moderate climate like um summers aren't crazy hot winters aren't crazy cold uh and so that's probably something i run into regionally less yeah um but you know in your point to the walking around the mall like one of the things i will even tell talk to my clients about when they're going on vacation is like hey look if you go shopping you're probably going to get a good amount of steps in and like that's that's something you know malls are something that have actually like contributed to a lot of I'll call it nonchalant fitness is basically yeah. uh, what it is is people who not realizing that they're getting a lot of activity in um, and then you know the other thing is like you talk about you know it being you know discomfort rather than than suffering right uh, my wife um, one of the things she'll do just to catch up with people is she'll just go on walks with people Um and I think it's a great, great way to catch up because you end up talking a lot. But oftentimes she'll have such a good time catching up with people that she's super sore the next day. She doesn't know it until after the fact. But she's like, man, like we walked like three miles on accident and didn't even realize it. We were we were booking it. It's like I think that's one of the the things I recommend most is like find someone you can talk with because it's going to make it seem almost like it's no effort at all. So Yeah. No, I, I love that one. Even for just like, if you're going to go meet someone for coffee, like grab yep. a coffee and then go for a walk, right? Instead Absolutely. of just sitting in the coffee shop, unless, unless you're, you know, talking about some serious business meeting stuff and like, maybe right. that's different, but, but of, of course, again, there's always the, it depends, but I think that, you know, having that walk is good. And even if you're walking, if you don't have someone to meet up with that day, like call someone on the phone, it just makes the time go by faster. And you almost like forget that you're walking and time is just going by. And it's just like, oh yeah, like, uh, the phone call's done and I, you know, it was 45 minutes long and like, wow, I walked actually like really far. I should head back now and, and go home. Um, yeah. so it's one of those things and just, you know, for all the, all the value that human connection brings to that, uh, as well. Um, yeah. another one and something that you're actually kind of going through right now is, is injuries, right? Oh yeah. So minor or major injuries are, are, and now this is one to be careful with. Of course, if you like can't move, obviously doesn't mean like, you know, go back squat as heavy as you can when you're, you know, when you're crazy injured. Yeah. But if you have like minor nicks and injuries, like there are ways to train around and train through that. So can you talk about like what, what's, what happened to you uh, recently and like how you've been kind of dealing with that and getting around it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you bringing that up. That's, so this is something obviously, like you said, I'm going through right now. Um, about two months ago now, um, I was doing something in the kitchen and my knife slipped and I cut a nice little gash in my hand here. Um, so you can see some of the scarring from the surgery. Um, but I, I cut completely severed three tendons in my hand and, and a nerve. Uh, and so that is a long road to recovery. And up until a week ago, I was not allowed to lift anything with that hand. Um, pretty much because I couldn't grip anything. Um, now I, I have the ability to do uh, five to 10 pounds in that hand, which is, which is nice. So I've started to, to use that arm again. Um, but, and this is something that Andrew Coates just put out a good res- a really solid resource, um, through, I think it was Kabuki strength. 
um, on the effects of cross training and how much benefit you can get from using the opposite side of uh, an injured, you know, an injured limb or an injured body part. Um, so I've been doing a lot of like single arm um, work where I've been trying to like do single arm clean and press, uh, you know, clean and jerk and um, just experimenting with different things that I can do. Um, and that's been a cool experience for me because not only am I experiencing like what my clients experience for when they're going through really difficult injuries, but also experiencing like, oh, I'm actually more capable with just this one side than I thought. Um, and so that's been pretty cool. I think, you know, I use another client story to kind of talk through why this is not not a, a great excuse. Um, one of my clients who's, you know, I, you don't have favorites, but she's, she's one of them. Uh, um, she is, she came to me, uh, right after she retired. Um, uh, she's in her mid sixties and was born with no, basically no hip socket. So the, where her pelvic bones should have had like a, a socket for the head of the femur, there was none. Um, and so her, her, she was born with her hips dislocated, um, and basically facing the wrong direction. So her doctor, by the, by the time she had given birth, she was like five or six surgeries deep. Um, if she were to fall, like her hips would dislocate, um, very little movement in her feet, in her ankles, in her knees, in her back, in her hips, like all the way up, basically up until pretty much her neck is the only thing like neck and shoulders are the only things that have like most of their movement. Right. And she came to me and she's like, look, I know what happens if I don't get my, if I don't a try and get some of this movement back and really strengthen myself. Cause I'm a fall risk already, uh, at 65. Right. And B, if I don't use the movement I have to gain what strength I can, um, she's, so she was very aware of what it is to not be able to move and not be able to, to walk, but she puts in training five days a week. Um, she does it. So we actually train hybrid. So I train her. I, I don't see her for six weeks at a time. I'll, I'll do everything online. And then she comes to me and we do a reevaluation, try and make one progression every six, seven weeks or so. Um, yeah. And, and it's, so when it comes to like people who are injured, like there's always something you can do, right? There's always something you can do. And especially with injury, I think it's really good to at least have a coach to consult on, hey, maybe, you know, you should stay within this range of movements um, because that's what's going to benefit you the most. Uh, and that's where you're going to, I always will push like, hey, hit mobility first and then build strength within that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just my spiel on, oh, I'm too injured or I'm too hurt. I can't, can't. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I think, I think one of the things you hit on there is some of the benefits of having a coach through this is that when you're injured, you know, it's easy for us to say like, and I'm aware of the things that it's easy for us to say because it's our job and the way that, you know, it's not easy for other people to think of these things because it's not their job. It's really easy for us to say, oh, well, if, you're, if your hand is uh, injured, then just do other stuff. And they're like, well, 
what other stuff do I do? Right. <laughs> right. And yeah. so one of the things that a coach can do is like, okay, well you can do these exercises or do the, like modify the exercise in this way, do the goblet squat this way, hold a, you know, hold a kettlebell instead of a dumbbell, hold a this instead of a that, you set up the, the cable stack in this way, use this different attachment, all of these little, like little nuanced things that just comes from being in the gym for so long and with so many different people and having to navigate different things. Yeah. Um, and, and for, for most people who are not trainers, it's like, it, it, it is to be fair, a challenging thing to figure out like, well, how do I do this? But that's still not an excuse because it's a figure outable thing. You can either spend enough time in the gym, looking at stuff, figuring out like, okay, well I can't grab the, the, the D handle, but I can grab the rope if that's like a thing or, or whatever it is. Right. And, and figure it out or ask a coach or, you know, the gym attendant or, you know, there's, there's plenty of resources that, that are exist in the world that are easily attainable, either paid or free or anywhere in between that you can figure out, okay, well, I can't strength train the way that I normally train. Can I stretch and work on my mobility? Can I run and do cardio? Can I bike? Can I do that? Like there's so many different things. And so it's really easy to feel sorry for yourself. And I'm definitely a person who like, when I get injured, like I recently had like a minor back injury that was like, yeah, it, it was a minor thing. And like, but it was the first time I ever hurt my back. It scared the shit out of me. And I spent like the next day, like just kind of feeling sorry for myself. And I was like, you know, trying to move it and keep it, you know, whatever. But I've been the next like 12 hours, like pretty angry and pissed off at myself that it happened. But then after that, it's like, okay, this is, this is not helping. <laughs> like I need to, it's okay to like be pissed off for a little bit at this thing, but then I need to move on and deal with this. Otherwise this minor thing is going to become a really major thing very quickly if it's not dealt with. Um, and, and just, and just the waste of time. It's like, just because you injure one thing, it doesn't mean your whole body is incapacitated. There's always something you can do. And it does take a little bit of creativity and some, some resources and some help, but it's something that can always be, uh, be worked around. And I think that that client is a great example. I mean, that's, that's unfortunately like, you know, one of the, one of the worst scenarios that I've heard of. Right. Mm -hmm. And and that's totally not her fault. It's not like, oh, she was doing something stupid and fell off a ladder. It's just the way that she was born. And so she has two choices, either just, you know, be a big suck and be like, oh, well, you know, woe is me or do something about it and make the best of a, of a non-ideal situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely like, I love working with her because of that attitude. It's Mm -hmm. literally like, she's like, listen, this is, this is the situation I have. This is the cards that life dealt me. I'm going to try and make the most of it. Right. And I think the more people that have that attitude, the better. Yeah. I don't know if you struggle with this as well, but it's something that I've come across just like, you know, coming up and even still now, it's not like I'm I'm old enough to, for older people than me to realize like, or, or to look at me and be like, oh yeah, you, you understand the struggles of a 40 plus year old, right? They're like, oh, you're 28. Like, what do you know? But in my, you know, injury life experience. Like there's been plenty of times where I wasn't able to move. There was like a four month period where I wasn't even able to walk at all. And so like, you know, while I don't have the struggles of a, you know, a 60 year old, I've experienced briefly in the grand scheme of things, but briefly a period of not being able to move. And I never, ever want that to happen again to myself and to others. And so I don't know if that's something that you've kind of come across as well, where people who are, you know, maybe 60 plus look at you and like, oh, what do you know? You talk about all this fitness stuff, but like, what do you know about not being able to move when you're older? Just wait until you're my age kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I actually, I spent a year, you know, 
the fitness has and training has kind of been the side gig for me for a while. Uh, and more and more so it's becoming, you know, the main thing I do. Um, but one of one year I actually worked for a company that did, um, essentially like employee health and wellness. And so I was the guy that went around in the factory and, gave people exercises to, you know, this is the sports medicine background coming and gave people exercises to help with like back pain, to help with foot pain, you know, all that. And definitely while I was there, that's something I ran into because it's a lot of older um, guys who, you know, already have the knee, knee arthritis. Um, they're, they're sedentary for the most part. So, you know, they'll have a lot of back pain. Um, if the guys aren't sedentary, they're probably, you know, doing a lot with their hands. And so they end up with a lot of elbow pain, just overuse tendonitis, that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, so I definitely ran into that a lot there, but, you know, I try and connect as, as an athlete who's gone through, you know, we talked about my chronic pain at the beginning. Um, that's something that I've been able to use to connect to people and just talk through. And I think, you know, since having this surgery with my hand, like the client I talk, you know, have, had just spoken about, like she and I have been able to connect further about that. Um, cause now like I know what it's like to have something immobilized for a long time and to like, this is not a, a fast recovery. This is a, a very prolonged, uh, recovery. So just getting a few degrees of movement takes time. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely something I run into. Um, I try and, and break it down, but you know, the nice thing is that most people coming to us as coaches and trainers tend to already be past that. They're, yeah. you know, they're at the point where they just, they don't care. They, they want to feel better uh, and they want to move better. So, yeah. And I've always found too, it's like, they, they may say these things or have these thoughts very, very early, you know, before they kind of hire you and in that kind of yeah. like consultation type, you know, type phase when they're like not all in on the fitness thing, but they're like, you know, their, their, their spouse or their friend or someone told them to go to the gym and they're not really sold on it yet. Yeah. But then once they start to like feel a little bit better and it, and it happens very quickly, then they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like yeah. this, this is, this is what I needed. I wish I started earlier. Right. Yeah. I think it's also a little bit of a, a fallacy to, to be like, oh, what do you know about how I'm feeling? Like you can be empathetic and intelligent about how, about helping someone through a problem without having gone through it yourself. Um, yeah. right. Nobody can experience everything that life has to offer. Um, God bless whoever may be that person, but, um, you know, that is, that is something. So my, for example, my, uh, wife, and this is a pretty funny example. My wife is a special ed teacher. And at one of the parent conferences, uh, a parent came up to her and said, like, are you sure like you're qualified for this? Like, did you go to like, were you in special ed as a student yourself? And you're like, I don't know if that makes her more <laughs> or less qualified to do this job. Like, I like that's just seems like a, a fallacious line of reasoning. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, we don't require someone who's a neurosurgeon to have had neurosurgery done on yeah. them before. And probably that we'll wouldn't work out them, too yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's probably a pretty, a pretty like 
extreme or like backwards yeah. example where having gone through the thing would actually make you like somehow less qualified to do the thing. Right. But, but in our scenario, like it, I think I don't, I don't want to say it makes you more qualified, but it, it helps you understand the, um, the non-physical aspect of what someone's going through as an injury. Like anyone can learn, yeah. you know, by studying and, and, and courses in school and stuff like, okay, here are the steps to healing XYZ injury. And we all know the basic, you know, biomechanics and physiology around that. And like, we can all, you know, do that pretty well, but that's yeah. not the, that's not the hard part because we all know that it's, it's how does that person actually feel? How is this impacting their life? What other things are being impacted? Not just, oh, they can't stand up. It's like, well, they can't do all these other things. They can't connect with their loved ones. They can't go out and like, they're missing all this social time and family time and all these things. And these are the things that really matter more when dealing with like rehabbing an injury rather than like the nuts and bolts. But the nuts and bolts of it are like pretty easy. They're just like kind of annoying and take a lot of time and hurt a little bit, (laughs) but it's not all that difficult for, for the vast majority of injuries. Like your injury would be one of the more complex ones, but your standard, you know, ankle sprain shoulder issue is like, you know, we, we've, we've solved that one as like humanity. We know how to deal with that. It's just dealing with the human element of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Another one, and maybe we'll get into a little bit of a bigger one and maybe a more common one is I don't have time. Oh yeah. I, I love it and I hate it. Right. So, you know, I think there's, again, there's different camps, uh, of, of people who, who fall into this, but, um, for most people, my question to them immediately when I hear this is like, okay, think about just to yourself a moment, like how much time do you spend scrolling on your phone or watching TV or watching movies uh, in a given week? Just think about a week, right? A whole week, weekend included. Most people, and that's, you know, people in their in their 60s and above as well. Like that's not just young people at this point. It's like, most people are spending multiple hours a day in that in that category. So the I don't have time is is the most BS answer I get. Now, the one group of people that I will say, okay, maybe you do have a have a a good excuse here is is parents of young young children, um, especially before children can kind of self supervise, right? So under four is kind of that that category, you know, if the, the, what is it? The, the, there's the two under two and the four under four is like the, the terrible, uh, lineup for, for most people. Right. And even to them, I would say like, this is something that even if you think you don't have time, if it's just 10 minutes a day, five minutes a day, you can carve out that time, um, for yourself and you can do it with kids. Um, you can do it, you know, my nephew is, he just turned four in February. Um, and he comes over, you know, with, with his mom, uh, with my sister once a week and they, they train with us and he, you know, he does his squats. He has his little five pound dumbbell and, um, he does his push ups and yeah. Um, so it's like the, you can make it a priority enough so that you do have time. Um, I think you might have a fraction of a percent of people that legitimately have that, that excuse. Yeah. There's, there's very few people that really, really don't have the time. The other thing that I would offer is how much time, if this is your thing where you're like, I really don't have time to work out. 
how much time do you think that you need? Because you may be yeah. wildly overestimating it. You don't need to be in the gym for two hours every single day because that that is a significant amount of time. That's 10 oh, yeah. hours out of your week. And like not that many people have that much free time to dedicate to this. Now, if you're not trying to be uh, you know, an, an Olympia competitor or a strongman competitor or something like that, you don't need to be putting in that much time. So to... And this again, it's a valid concern because you don't know what you don't know. So if you think that, you know, two hours in the gym every day is like the bare minimum, that's, that's incorrect. And if you've only got 30 minutes to spare every other day, then that's good. Start there. Like whether that be a walk, whether that be some little home circuit, if you don't have time to get to the gym or it can literally be anything. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think that that's a really important way to frame this is it doesn't have to take up a crazy significant amount of your time, even with like, you know, the time spent scrolling on your phone and watching Netflix and stuff. Like I, I'm, I, I'm, I don't do, I, I, sorry, I spend way too much time on my phone and I, and I mask it for myself as like, Oh, like I'm a social media guy. So like I, I'm being productive by scrolling. And like, I, I know that that's like a fault of mine, but, um, but, but for, for, for some people who do spend a lot of time on their phone or Netflix or whatever, Sometimes that is like your your downtime. It's your winding downtime. You've had a crazy busy day at work and the last thing you want to do is like, oh, I've just, you know, been like full tilt all day and I want to get home and go to the gym. Like I, I get that you need some like some downtime. So it's not to say like, oh, all Netflix and scrolling is bad. It's not. Um, but I think again, just to reiterate what I said is really consider how much time you need to dedicate to this and how much time you can dedicate to this and it doesn't have to be a crazy overwhelming amount of time a little bit goes a really long way and it doesn't have to be super intense because your goals are not again to become you know the the, the most fit person ever in the world so if you're just trying to be a little bit healthy it really doesn't take all that much time yeah yeah one of the things i actually when talking about like time um one of the things i actually have people do is like 10 toe touches first thing in the morning, like get out of bed, you know, whether it's get right before you get your coffee or, you know, whatever your routine is, is just something that involves like a little bit of movement that's intentional first thing in the morning can get you in a mindset that helps you to want to move more. Mm. Um, and and then that's where you tend to see people maybe you know put their phone away for a little bit longer in the morning or or at night and i don't know what it is you know i I'd, I'd love to see a little bit more science behind like what that what that exactly that is but it's you know it's kind of like the newton's law you know object in motion tends to stay in motion i think that applies to to humans right if we're sitting on the couch we're going to want to continue to sit on the couch and if we're, we start our day with a little bit of movement, uh, that's typically like if people are just asking me like, Hey, how do I get going? Like, that's the first thing I say is like, Hey, do that for a week. Yeah. It's just every day do that for a week and see if you don't end up moving more than just that. Um, yeah, no, I, I love that. Totally agree. Another kind of quote or, or slogan, whatever you want to motto, if you want to call it that I've heard on this is just like consistency compounds. 
Good behaviors breed other good behaviors. And starting in the morning is way easier than starting after work. If you're, if you're not on your fitness game, eating healthy at all, and your thing is like, all right, tomorrow after work, I'm going to start. Well, if you've had plenty of opportunities to start after work and like, (laughs) you know, your job beats you down, you had a bad meeting, whatever, something happened. And then that after work time comes five, five o'clock rolls around and you're like, I fucking absolutely do not want to go to the gym right now. (laughs) Like you haven't been in that mindset, but if you started in the, in the morning and it can be as small as what you said, 10 toe touches, like just start there. That's, yeah. that's a hundred percent more than what you're currently doing. If it is, mm-hmm. then that might breed a better behavior. You might, you know, when you go into the pantry to, you know, choose your breakfast, you might make a slightly healthier choice. You might choose the, uh, I don't know, brand flakes instead of Nesquik or like you might make that, you might make that choice. And that's like just one small little step. And then this is how it kind of continues to compound. I was actually having this conversation with a a friend the other day where it's like, and he was saying this to me, he's like, I can't figure out why when I'm working out consistently, I also just naturally eat healthier. He's like, it's Mm -hmm. so backwards to me. He's like, when I'm not working out, I should be eating healthier because that's when it matters more because I'm not exercising as well. But he's like, when I stop going to the gym, I also just eat like an idiot. And I just, I just eat so unhealthy and Uber eats and everything. And I should be, it should be the opposite. Um, and I'm like, yeah, that's, it's super common. I don't know why, but I think, you know, you're right. It's just like an object in motion wants to stay in motion and it applies to human psychology as well. It it would be awesome to know some (laughs) more detailed in-depth research on that. But I think that we've seen enough examples of it to know that it's, it's true across, across the board. Yeah. Yeah. I, I refer to it as the habit snowball. Like Mm. if you take a couple really small habits, they trickle into larger habits. Um, and, and you can kind of take them one at a time, uh, kind of stolen from Dave Ramsey's debt snowball. Um, if you know, Dave Ramsey has the debt snowball where you take your smallest piece of debt, you pay that off. And then whatever you're paying towards that, you just pay towards the next. Um, you know, that's why, you know, I start, start people at toe touches and then, if they're like, Hey, what, what do I do next? You know, then it's like, okay, drink more water or replace some of your sugary drinks with water. Okay. And then, all right, what do I do next? All right. Walk five minutes. All right. And you know, and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I think it has to do with the way that we treat the way that we feel that we are worth treating. Hmm. Um, so I think it's almost like a self-worth thing of, Okay, if I'm treating myself well uh, by going to the gym and being consistent that way, uh, then I deserve to be treated well. Um, and treated well, we really know means eating healthier, means getting the right amount of sleep, right? Those things. And so we tend to do that more in in con- conjunction with going to the gym and doing the right things physically. Um, and then versus if we're not treating ourselves ourselves well, then we're tempted to treat ourselves even worse because we don't feel deservant of or deserving of that. Um, and so that's something I've, I've noticed with clients. Um, and I think, you know, going back to what you had said about people who get run down at work, uh, right. One of the things that I, I will talk with clients about is like, Hey, you know, say they missed two workouts, uh, in a week, you know, people who are doing like five, you know, three to five workouts a week. It's like, Hey, you miss, missed the last couple workouts this week. What went, what went wrong? Usually almost without fail, it's life got busy or work was crazy almost without fail. And so my response to them is, is one of two things is like, okay, or it's, you know, really both. It's like, okay, one, 
no problem. Shake it off. Don't don't feel like you have to make that up. Just go and and do better this week. Like just pick it right back up. And then two, what what would it look like for you to do that before work, right? What would it look like for you to go in and get things done before work so that life has less time to affect your your workout? So yeah. No, I think that that's a great idea. Another thing that I will use uh, frequently in those kind of situations is look at or think about what would, how how can you deal with this better the next time? If yeah. skipping the workout is the thing that happened because work got crazy, well, this is not the last time that work is going to be crazy and you're going to have, you know, whatever. It's it's yeah. going to happen again, guaranteed. So what do we do next time? If, you know, your workout is typically an hour, well, then I'll give my clients like a 20 minute, you know, little home circuit, something or other that they can do. And I'm like, hey, this is not really like on path with our with your goals and it's not going to necessarily get you stronger or like whatever but it's at least something to keep the ball rolling right so on those days when something comes up i know that you can't get to the gym and that's fine but do this instead you're at, it's at least still a workout your heart rate got up you got a little sweaty and i'm like number one against like you know these workouts that are just like oh it's a strength training workout and it's like using a five pound you know dumbbell at home it's like it's strength training for a 90 year old maybe but those workouts have a, have a lot of validity in these scenarios where it's like something is better than nothing, a little bit of movement, a little bit of keeping the habit rolling, um, and, and at least you don't feel like you quote-unquote failed because it was still an option in the plan type of thing. So that's another strategy that I use in, in those exact scenarios, but I'm with you that oftentimes uh, trying to get the workouts in before work, which sometimes means a, quite an early morning, but yeah. again, sacrifices have to be made here, um, it is a good strategy because the morning is typically more controllable than, yep. than the evening or the afternoon for most people. Yeah. I think that's especially true of people with kids. Yeah. Like, uh, if you're up before your children are, which for some people is, um, you know, very difficult. <laughs> um, you know, I, I see Jonathan Goodman posts about his kids and some of their troubles with sleep all the time. And I'm like, Oh man, like I feel, feel so bad for him. Um, cause he's trying to get through that next book, but it's like, yeah, it's just the reality, uh, for some people, but yeah. But yeah. Another big one. And this is probably the, maybe one of the, the equal to the, I don't have time thing is, is money. And this is oh, a touchy, yeah. touchy subject for, for a lot of people, obviously, you know, inflation through the roof across the board lately. And like, you know, these are not, these are not, uh, we're not insensitive to that. Coaches have, you know, we've been through it financially during COVID. So if you, like, I'm, I'm going to rant a little bit here, but like I've had yeah. some clients have been like, you know, they work at the, or, you know, former clients and whatever they work at like the banks or like corporate jobs. And they're like, Oh, and this was not recently, but within the past couple of years through COVID when it was like literally illegal to be a trainer. They're like, oh, I, uh, you know, money's like been really tight. Like work is just like, uh, crazy. And I'm like, oh yeah, I, I guess, I guess your, your job is, you know, super hard. I'm sure your job is difficult, but like you haven't missed a paycheck. Like I haven't, I haven't worked in two years. So, you know, kind of know, know your audience here when you're, when you're talking to people. But anyways, the point of that is not for me to complain and, and seek pity. I, I don't need that at all. Um, but it's like, we, we get it. We are sensitive to the fact that like, Fitness costs money. Fitness can be expensive. My big thing is one of two things. First, it doesn't have to be expensive. Second, everything is expensive. Mm -hmm. You want to do anything that you enjoy or that brings you value or positivity or, or anything into your life, it's expensive. So 
fitness is not more expensive than doing other stuff. Everything is expensive and you just got to choose what you want. If it's not worth it to you, then it's not worth it to you. But I think that your health should be something that is valuable to you. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one of the things that I always look at is, okay, right now, what percentage of your monthly paycheck are you actually putting towards your health? Right. I'm not talking about health insurance. I'm not talking about, um, you know, doctor's appointments. I'm talking about towards your health. Um, cause, cause for most people, health insurance, doctor's appointments are an after the fact thing. They're, they're reactive to your health, not proactive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a, that's a question I lead with in response to this is like, Oh, I don't have money. I don't have the money. Like, okay. Of, of what you're doing, like, what percentage? And if that percentage is not, you know, 5% or more, then you're probably just delaying how much money you're going to have to pay in medical bills down the line. Like that is, Mm -hmm. that is the case, um, for most people. And so, uh, yeah, like I, I will look at, okay, what does a, a planet fitness or LA fit, you know, whatever, big box gym, what does it cost for you to get in there? For a lot of people, it's like 20 bucks. Um, some, if you get, if you get a planet fitness right before or, or right when it opens, it's 10 bucks. You can put 10 bucks down uh, and then the next month you pay another 10 bucks. It's like, so for 120 in a year, I can have access to, you know, as much fitness, um, equipment as, as anyone. And the the kicker there is with AI, the way it is now, anyone can go online and find a decent, even personalized uh, fitness program um, to themselves that if, if you only have 10 bucks a month, which just about, I mean, even I know homeless people who have gym memberships for that, for that purpose. Yep. yep. Right. And, and they're willing to pay a massive percentage of what they, you know, of what they bring in because they recognize that their health is one of the last things that they have. So, um, and then looking at something more like, you know, you and I, what you and I do with our coaching, it's like, I'm even my, you know, I charge a hundred a month for, um, my new clients right now doing it for doing a personalized program. And for most people, that's 5% for the average person uh, in my area of the U S it's 5% of their take home pay right. for the, for the average. Right. It's so that's, and that's for the advanced advanced. And, level. In, so, and in other, in other areas of the U S and, and areas of Canada, that would be like a lot le- less of yes. their, a percentage of their monthly take home pay. Right. <laughs> right. It would be 1% if I was in New York or California right now. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, the money one is interesting because it comes to so many, like, you know, you have kids, you have mortgage, you have whatever house stuff. There's all tons of stuff to pay for. Um, but I think that you're like, you're spot on with a lot of the things you said there. Like, the AI thing is super interesting for like that personalization aspect on like a very low or no budget, even. There's like plenty of free tools. Yeah. But I mean, we've always had. You know, as long as we've been on the internet, uh, like there's been, you know, bodybuilding.com and plenty of free workouts that are available. And of course they're not personalized, but there's, there are workouts that are available to you for free. And even if that wasn't the thing, if you go to planet fitness for 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, like 
if you just go into the gym and you just pick five machines and just do them, that yeah. is like still better than than nothing, right? And so it doesn't have to be um, super expensive. Even just going outside for a walk or for a run, like that is free. That costs right. nothing but nothing but your time and your effort, which is which is not you know that's expensive as well <laughs> in its own right. Um, but the financial investment doesn't have to be a ton. I think the other thing, just to reiterate that you said, is this kind of like whole cost accounting, I believe would be the term, is like if you don't spend money on it now, well, mm-hmm. what's it going to cost you later on, right? I saw this story and I don't know if it's true. I think I saw it somewhere on Twitter. I don't know if it's true or not, but regardless, the, the principle is, is, is sound. Um, there was a guy who was going to like a fancy gym in his area that cost uh, 250 bucks a month, I believe was the story. And, uh, his buddy was going to a gym, you know, the, the, the cheaper option gym that was like 50 bucks a month. And this guy that was going to the fancy gym was like going every day. He was working hard. He was like putting an effort and he like, you know, dropped a bunch of weight, gotten health, gotten, got healthy, got in shape, all that stuff. And his friend was like making fun of him. Like, why do you spend 250 bucks a month for this fancy gym? Like I spend 50 bucks a month at, you know, this other gym. But the guy that went to the cheap gym, like didn't go to the gym. He didn't use it. He wasn't improving his health. Like he would even go sporadically and all this stuff. The moral of the story was like the guy going to the more expensive gym was being made fun of for spending 250 bucks a month at the gym. But what he said was, I can't believe my friend is willing to save $200 a month to be fat and unhealthy. And I was like, wow, that's a really good, that's a really good point there that there is also a cost to not doing something. And, and this is the, probably the most true in our health. Like, yeah, it might cost you money to go to the gym, but the cost of not going to the gym, while it's not an obvious and easy to calculate number, a dollar amount, there is a heavy, heavy cost that will become a big dollar amount at some point if you don't take care of yourself. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, I don't know, maybe like a sad way to put it. And it's like, this is just the reality of the world that we live in. Our environment is not set up in such a way that it is easy and 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 uh, obvious to be healthy. So there has to be some personal investment, be that uh, energy, time, money, or whatever, to invest in your health to in order to stay healthy and just live your life and be able to do the things that you want to do. Because if you don't do those things, it's not going to be good news. And it's yeah. not going to take that long to get there. Yeah. It's very sad, but this is just the <laughs> this is just the the world that we that we live in, right? Yeah. So I mean, again, we're, we're we're sensitive to the to the financial aspect, but there's plenty of resources that are not all that expensive. And again, it just comes down to a little bit of creativity, right? Walking again, free, running, free. You can do push-ups and whatever at the park for free. Like none mm-hmm. of these things cost any money, but you've got to put some, you got to put some effort in. If you think it's just going to be easy and it's just going to be served to you on a silver platter, even if, even if you have all the money in the world and hire the best coaches and all the best equipment and all the best stuff, like you still got to go and do it and you still have to at least seek that out. So fitness is one of the, you know, those few things that like money can't buy. It's maybe mm-hmm. one of the only things I think that money can't really buy because anything else you can just throw money at the problem and get it. And sure, having more money to spend on fitness will make it better or easier or whatever, but it doesn't actually solve the problem because it's, you can't just, even if you take steroids, surgeries, all these <laughs> things, like you still have to get in there and put in the work. You at have some to point. do the work. Exactly. Yeah. It's the only thing I think, I can't think of another example. I've been trying to, can't think of another example where it's like, you have to just put in the work and money can't solve the problem if you had an endless supply. So that's, I think that's the, that's the spiel on money. I think we kind of covered 
yeah. a, a good amount of that. And I think we've done a good job. Uh, I mean, obviously I'm biased saying that we've done a good job, <laughs> but I think that we've done a good job of, of being fair and, and reasonable to this point as well, because, you know, everything always depends. And there are some excuses that are valid and are legit and people have, you know, tougher times with certain struggles and, and excuses, quote unquote, than others. But there's always a workaround. Yeah. And if you're not sure, this is where coaches come in and doesn't necessarily have to hire someone and spend hundreds or thousands of dollars a month. Like reach out to one of us on Instagram or any number of the other good people. Like we're more than happy to just give you a couple pointers like in the DMs. Like I'm not going to be like, hey, well, hey, I, I don't have this equipment. Like what should I use instead? And I'm going to send you like a, you know, a, a credit card bill for answering yeah. the DM. <laughs> like that's not, yeah. that's never going to happen. You know, like people are going to just help you and people are willing to help. So yeah, I, I think I can't. I can't think of a, a single coach that I know that I've you know talked with or worked with who wouldn't at least give some advice. Um, you know, yeah. I know I know coaches who, um, you know, depending on who's asking, will give an entire like individualized program if it's the right person asking and they're genuinely asking. Like, it's just about um, you know asking and being willing to be vulnerable that way. You know. When I was so briefly, I spent time as the uh, fitness director uh, at a at a small gym, and we had an issue where a kid tried to steal a dumbbell um, because he was being bullied at school. And you know, I didn't I didn't know any of that until after we had brought him in and had the converse, conversation. And it was like, oh, he was bullied, being bullied for being, um, you know, for being small and a little weak. And I'm like, okay, that's me. 15 years ago, you know, uh, same kid just sitting in front of me. Uh, but if, if he would have just asked like, Hey, can I come in or can you write me a body weight workout that, that helps? Like, of course I'm like, I'm not, if I know that you can't pay, I know you don't have the money for it. Like, absolutely. I will, I will do that for you. Or I'll point you to, to, to something that's already been written well. You know, uh, there's all kinds, of, like you said, all kinds of free resources. Um, there's plenty of things out there. And I will say, you know, one more thing to add um, to, to that, you know, I mentioned Planet Fitness, LA Fitness, some of those um, bigger box gyms. One of the other things, a lot of your local, you know, I don't know if this is the case in Canada. Uh, this is the case, you know, where I'm at. A lot of your local, like YMCA, Young Men, um, like they will have programs that you can apply to that they give scholarships to that are like, basically, if you can't afford, you can get a membership for free. Um, yeah. It's not the case with everybody, but that's an option. So yeah, we, we have a lot of the same stuff here through, through YMCA or like yep. the local uh, like city run community centers and whatnot. Yep. They have tons of like, either free or like basically free, very low cost programs, right. group things and, and workshops and, and stuff like this. And so again, like the resources exist, like they're there for you at, at low or no cost, but right. it still requires you to put in the work to seek them out because they're not, they're not knocking on your door saying like, Hey, are you looking for a free workout? Like no one's, right. no one's doing that. It's not happening. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, all of the good people in fitness, we would happily, we want to help people. Mm -hmm. And if we didn't need money to live our own lives, because that's the way the world works, yeah. I would love to like do this for free. Yeah. And, and, and I say that very genuinely, I don't need mm. fancy stuff and whatever, but I do need to like live. So I need to yeah. make money. And this is like my job, the same way everyone else does their job, right. um, and, and charges money for it, whether you're a lawyer, accountant, doctor, you know, what have you, um, so, so we're going to help. And, and there, and there's tons of free stuff. Like fitness mm -hmm. might be one of the few things, one of the, 
one of the few things where it's like it, just part of our business is giving away free stuff. Like everyone yeah. offers a, a complimentary, you know, first session, first initial consultation, whatever. These have just become kind of like industry norms. Like imagine you went to a barber and he gave you a haircut and, and the first one is just free just to yeah. see if you like it. Like that would never happen. It's like the same thing as like the first workout, but it's just like in that industry, it's just not the norm. And if you ask them, they'd be like, what, what do you mean? Like, yeah, of course you have to pay for this. I don't care if it's your first time or your hundredth time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how much, how much stuff is given away, uh, specifically in this field. But I, I think that just shows, it shows kind of two things is one thing is like how little it's valued, uh, mm. is that you ha- you almost have to give away free so you know something free in order for people to like take the risk so to speak or take mm-hmm. take the leap to to even try it um and then on the other hand it's like it also shows the heart of the people who are in the industry of like yeah like we wouldn't be giving stuff away for free if we didn't want to help yeah so and i think i think all of us we give away almost everything that we know for free, like mm-hmm. through content, articles, podcasts, all these yep. things, like everything is given away for free. The really, what the paid aspect of all of this is just the individualization of it. And I've said mm-hmm. this on the podcast, like a hundred times, like when, when we're saying this, when we're having this conversation, we're speaking to, you know, however many people are listening, I, I, you know, we'll use the words you and stuff like this to make it sound like, you know, we're having a conversation between, you know, Jackson and I and, and you listening in the car or on your walk or whatever, but I can't possibly give you an individualized approach on the podcast because like, right. first of all, we're not having a live conversation and I'm speaking to more than just one person, but that's where the, that's where like the, really the paid aspect comes. Like I don't have any other secrets about nutrition or whatever that I tell my paying clients that I don't say on Instagram. Right. Uh, I just, it just becomes personalized when it's, when it's in a, uh, a client situation. Yep. Um, the one other thing that I wanted to mention about, about money and, and then we'll kind of you know wrap things up here is that there's also a very strong relationship between things that you value and will commit to when you pay for them. Yeah. It's very like, and I'm sure again, going back to like the free offerings in fitness, like how many free programs have you given like your buddies or, or like people, you know, and stuff like that. And then they just like, don't do it. But as soon as they pay you, even if it's like 10 bucks, 20 bucks, just to like, yeah. you know, buy me lunch, whatever, something like that. Then all of a sudden we just value it. And this is one of those other like weird, you know, human psychology things where mm-hmm. we really value things that we pay for and we don't value free stuff. So while there are tons of free resources out there, there is also uh, an exponential value in the paid resources and and the dollar amount doesn't seem to actually matter. I mean, you might value something that you pay like 10 grand for versus something you pay like 10 bucks for, but, but you know, if paying any amount seems to just get so much more buy-in and so much better results. So I wouldn't always look for the free option for that reason for most people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think, you know, so I spent some time working at a fitness resort, which is a very unique situation, kind of like mm-hmm. a, a biggest loser type type place. Okay. Um, and you would not believe the amount of buy-in from some people versus others just based on the, the amount of income that they have, right? Or the amount of expendable income that they have, right? So the people who are, this was a place that it costs like two and a half grand for a week, uh, wow. right? And they're going like, it's it's not cheap. It's a, it's a big chunk, um, for, for most people, I will say. And the amount of commitment you have from people who are putting that kind of money down 
on their actions is massive. Yeah. Um, and so you see people who are losing, you know, in a week, mostly it's people who are looking for fat loss. Um, you see people who are losing 10, 20 pounds in a week plus. Right. Um, so that is, that is definitely an aspect. Yeah. I think, I think it, it probably does scale up. Like if someone's, if that 2,500 bucks a, a, a week is like, you know, 0.1% of someone's income that might right. not matter that much to them. But if it's like, yeah. if it's like half of their monthly income, then like they're going to work their ass off in that yeah. thing because like this is not cheap to them. And so that maybe, you know, counters my point of like the amount of money. And like, I think, I think the, the percentage of your income definitely does play a role, yeah. but, but that's a smaller impact, I think, than the fact that you're paying anything versus right. like a free resource, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Is there any last ones you want to fire off uh, off your off the top of your head that's like really bugging you before we uh, before we sign off here? Yeah. So the one that gets to me is the don't know where to start. Like I I don't know where to start. That's one that I think at this point in the with the amount of information that we have available at our fingertips that can easily be kind of double checked. Um, that's just not especially with with AI involved these days. Like that's just not an excuse anymore. Like if you don't know where to start, just go walk. Like, you know, that getting outside and moving your body is healthy for you. Um, so if you don't know where to start, that's, you know, not really something I can, I can abide. And I'm actually, I'm in the process of creating, um, basically a PDF document that's going to help like for the people who I know that are kind of within my community for this specific thing. Um, Basically, it's kind of a be your own coach program, but that is, yeah, that's, that's coming later. Um, I'll, I'll announce that on, on my own time, but that is, um, that is the one that bugs me the most is like, if you don't know where to start, just, just start. Like it doesn't, you don't have to be perfect. So yeah. I agree. It's probably, it's probably the lamest excuse because like you said, there is just so much information out there and, and the other side of this, it it can be hard to navigate that information, which, which is also a a problem. But if you just do anything, anything is better than nothing. And so like, if you're listening to this, you're, I I hope that you're not in that boat because like even listening to this is already like a a method of starting. Now you can get into the, you know, analysis paralysis type of thing, but just go literally do anything. I'll walk, go to the gym, do a jumping jack, do 10 toe touches in the morning, like drink a water instead of a Coke. Just literally anything works and then you'll get the ball rolling and you'll figure it out from there. And again, this takes some personal investment of your time and your energy and your, your mental energy. So not knowing how to start, there's not a lack of information out there. There's a lack of you seeking that information slash applying that information. So I'm with you. That's kind of a lame excuse, but like it's a, it's a real one that we hear often and it's yep. like, just figure it out. That's, that's the answer. <laughs> I know that's yep. kind of like a little bit harsh, but you don't know how to do it. Figure it out. It's not yeah. rocket science. <laughs> just, just start. Yeah. Love it, man. Good stuff. Cool. Um, let people know where they can find you, contact info, all that stuff so they can stay up to date when we know when that PDF will be released and whatnot and, uh, and to tune into everything else you've got going on. Yeah. So, um, biggest places you can find me, uh, website is loresports.com. Um, so that's where you can find like all the different things that I do. Um, especially if you're local to Virginia, um, great, great place to find me there. Uh, Instagram is loresportsperformance and then YouTube, uh, I've started to put a lot of, a lot more content out on YouTube. So that's also lore sports performance, lore is L O H R. So yeah, that's where you can find me. 
Awesome. I'll throw all that in the show notes as uh, as usual. But lower sports performance across the board. Um, and you've and you've just really recently started your own podcast as well. What's what's the name of the podcast? Yeah. So the name of the podcast I've been doing is the Fitness for Life podcast. Um, I was kind of surprised that one wasn't already taken. Um, <laughs> actually very surprised because uh, for those of you who don't know, if you're starting a podcast, you kind of look through like, hey, what do all the other podcasts uh, look like? I think technically one had gone two episodes and then stopped like three years ago. So I, I picked picked that name up. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I'm doing. And you can find that on YouTube and Spotify I don't, I as well. I don't remember the actual... Um the actual stat, but it's like some very high percentage of podcasts don't get past episode three and like 90 plus percent don't even get past episode seven. So like once yep. you hit past episode seven, you're just like auto in the top, like five to 10% of podcasts of all time. Yeah. Um, and you said it's available on, on all the, all the places, right? So Spotify and YouTube are the primary places right now. Um, uh, working on getting everything else, uh, taken care of, but right now when, that's where you can find them. When we finish this, we'll talk about Apple because it's like, Apple is its like own ridiculous beast. And like, I am the biggest Apple hater like, <laughs> probably ever, maybe not ever, but like I'm up there and like for podcasts, it's like the most annoying platform yet. It's also like the biggest platform where the most people listen to, but like from the podcaster end, it's like so annoying and yep. like, just difficult to navigate. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that once we, uh, once we hit stop here. Yeah. Um, any last message you want to leave for the people here, Jackson? No, I mean, I think the biggest thing is if you're finding that you're constantly running into excuses and making excuses, I, I would find someone to keep you accountable. Um, because that is the biggest thing that's going to help you overcome excuses. They're going to, they're going to call you out on your, on your BS. So having, whether that's a friend, a partner, um, a family member, um, whoever it is, you know, somebody in your life who can help call those things out in you, uh, is going to help you in all aspects of your life. So Beautiful. Love it. Thanks you. Thank you very much, Jackson, for, uh, for being here, for, yeah. for sharing with us. Uh, we'll do the return leg uh, shortly um, in the next couple of weeks or so. Um, but yeah, Laura Sports Performance everywhere. All the contacts will be in the show notes as per usual. Um, give me a follow as well on Instagram at Daniel Yoris. And um, make sure you like, share, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends. It's always the best way to uh, spread the message and all that stuff. Leave a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you may listen to because um, that really helps as well. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. Go outside, be a good person. We'll see you soon.